Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me again. I know last week was a little a little bit slow, a little bit boring. So thank you if you've returned. Um, the podcast is still finding its feet, so just bear with me. So today I kind of want to discuss reducing our impact in terms of consumerism, in terms of shopping, and discuss this a little bit more. You know, I, I mentioned in my first podcast that I was in fashion, and there's a lot of issues with fashion and the way that the fashion industry is set up, fast fashion in particular. There's a lot of greenwashing going on. There's a lot of companies saying that they're doing better and actually then not really doing anything about it. We're not going to go fully into that, but we're going to kind of touch base on consumerism as a whole in general. So mass consumption kind of began around the end of World War II. As we know, in World War II, there were rations. There were rations in terms of food. There were rations in terms of fabric. What happened was there was... The, the shopping frenzies that we've seen recently, I suppose, in, in with eggs, toilet paper in the pandemic, when the fuel stopped and everybody rushed to petrol stations to fill up their cars. That kind of thing happened at the beginning of World War Two as well. And so the government put in rations the way that we also have seen quite recently as well, when we were rationed for toilet paper. I can't believe I'm saying that. Rationed for toilet paper. We were rationed for eggs. Some shops still have an amount of eggs or an amount, a quantity of items that you can buy per customer. I went to the supermarket the other day and there were no eggs. I was like, I thought I thought we were rationing these. Um, just ahead of Pancake Day as well, they only had the organic eggs. I was like, I'm not spending £2.20 for a pack of eggs. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so as a result of this, after World War Two, mass consumption kind of, it, it began. And that was the beginning of it. It really, I think, boomed around the turn of the century. You know, I remember when I was little, there were lots of new things, lots of new gadgets. I can remember getting our first DVD player. My mum had video ca- video recorders, camera recorders. We had loads of stuff. There was loads of new things and it all seemed very exciting and very new. And I guess that was most of our, our parents' generation. Perhaps it was the beginning of, you know, you you early generation, perhaps you weren't around and you can't really remember um, the turn of the century. I was, I think, five, six years old. So I barely remember it. But I can remember early noughties and I remember it being very new and exciting. My dad had a computer um, before computers were in every household because he was um, his his job called for it. I remember my sister had a computer in her room and it was like a big thing. It was the family computer. Um, so I can only just really remember this this period frenzy shopping for Christmas and everything like that so what's the issue with mass consumerism why does it link to climate change why does it link to making the planet better for our kids so large oil companies BP Shell they're actually the biggest emitters of toxic gases and around 90% of these big companies emissions are actually the result of products made using fossil fuels and the amount of products that are made with fossil fuels is unbelievable. I suggest you Google it because I Googled it and it's huge. It it includes the obvious things like plastic and clothes, cosmetics, paint, even aspirin. Aspirin uses petroleum to be made. So there you go. There's your first to-do is stop using aspirin. I don't use aspirin because I think it thins your blood, doesn't it? Not a doctor. Don't quote me on that. But there's so, so much stuff. There's so much stuff um, that's made using petroleum, made using fossil fuels, So that's a very brief background into why and how consumerism affects our world. So now we need to roll into what we can do about it. The pandemic brought us a a really useful glimpse into what the world 
could be like and what the world would be like if we all calmed down on our consumerism and if we stopped flying everywhere. You know, I remember in the news, um, you could see the Himalayas from a certain point that you couldn't see them from before. Like the, the air pollution had gone down so much that these mountains became visible and they were beautiful. And I remember my husband, who's Italian, was bringing me videos of all this wildlife in Italy that was just roaming in the streets and almost nature reclaimed part of the planet. And it was really fantastic to see that if we all bunch together and we all do things at the same time, how much of an impact we can have and how quickly things can change. You know, nature nature almost saw the opportunity and took it without hesitation. And that was fantastic. I know the pandemic, I'm not trying to play it down, I know the pandemic was a terrible, terrible time for humanity as a whole. So if there's one positive to take from the pandemic, I see it as this. It was good for the planet for everything to stop. It felt like suddenly the air was fresher and plants were greener and it was just, you know, really nice to see that something can be done. It was almost like Mother Nature was knocking on our door saying, this is a glimpse into what you can achieve. I thought that was really lovely. So an article on Vox.com listed reducing consumerism as its readers' number one change that they wanted to do post-pandemic when it surveyed their readers, which I think is really telling of how consumerism and uh, we as consumers have changed our opinions. And we've, like I said, we've really seen what an impact we have on the planet. So there's a few things, you know, that I've, I've listed down, I've jotted down that we could do to kind of help the planet, help save things, help do our bit, if you like. Um, and these are all things that I am, I'm going to give you what I'm doing as well. Um, so first of all is make, do and mend. That was another thing that came from the Vox article. People were really interested in making, do and mending what they have rather than buying new stuff. I'm doing that at the moment. If something breaks, if some of my clothing rips, I'm going to get my sewing kit out and I'm going to sew it. I'm quite lucky I did sewing in school as well, so I'm quite handy with that. But it is really easy. There's tutorials around it's very easy to mend things and fix things and, you know, it ends up being something that you cherish as well. If you've put a little bit of your own effort into it, you're then going to make sure it doesn't rip again or you're going to take care of it when it does rip. Also with things like kids' books, you know, my son rips books all the time. The other night in bed I just heard this, it's like, oh my god, not again. We have The Gruffalo as a book that was his older brother's as well and it's got sellotape all over it because I've just taped it up. But when kids are that young, there is no point rebuying things for them that they break because they're just going to break it again. My son has gone through a phase of biting the tips off of his Crayola. I don't know, is this something that kids do? Like, he's got these ones that are the um, magic, what's it called? Colour Wonder. The ones that normally come in the packs. And I bought him like a box of them because I thought, great, he's not going to draw on all of my stuff and ruin it. The mess-free colouring, and it comes with a special paper. He's literally bitten the nibs off these pens. I, I swear I feed him, I do. I think he gets upset when he has to play in his room because we live in quite a small place, so I've got a safety gate on his room so he can still see us, but he, he's just contained to a space that's very baby-proofed. Um, he's two years old. So I think he gets upset when he's in there, gets these pens out to draw, gets bored and bites them. So I've I've got like two or three of them left that haven't been bitten. But I'm not going to buy him new ones because I caught him biting one. Like, just the nib. I don't know. So, yeah, so just making do and mending, especially for kids, and touching on that last point, not buying them stuff that you know they're going to break. 
following on from this, just another point, if, and this is something that I'm really trying to fix in myself and something I hate when I do it, because I don't realise I'm doing it at the time, I buy things that I need, if I need something today, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go find it and I'm going to buy it today, and I'll just buy the first thing I find or I'll buy the best thing I can find on that day, but a lot of the times, a few weeks later, I'll find something that will suit me so much better than the thing that I've bought, and I want this other one because it's it's much more perfect for my life and I'll either buy it and I don't do this anymore but I would have either bought it and then thrown the other thing away or I'll buy it and have two of two items that I don't really need I'm now trying not to be such a reactive buyer if I need something today I should have thought about it last week like I'm trying to discipline myself a bit more parent myself I suppose but also breaking out of this mindset of instant gratification if I need something today do I really need it today or can it wait? Because chances are it can wait. You know, I don't I don't want to go out and, like, my first pod, I have, I said I wasn't going to buy anything for this podcast, but I did go out and buy a microphone because my first podcast I recorded on my Apple headphones and the sound quality wasn't great and I know that I wouldn't sit down and listen to something where the sound quality wasn't great. So I did go out and buy a microphone, but I didn't do it immediately. And I think because I didn't do it immediately, I went and found one that was perfect for me now, didn't break the bank, and I got to shop around a little bit as well. So I'm really trying hard to not be so reactive when I shop and buy buy things that I'm not going to want. If it's not something that is high quality, if it's not something that's going to serve me in the exact way I need it to serve me, I'm really trying to calm down on buying it. And in fact, I've been really good. I've been really good with it the last few months, especially with clothes and things like that. I, I tend not to... I guess it helps I've moved somewhere where there's no Primark as well. I tend not to shop for myself so much. I'm sure as um, parents, you can understand if you're if you're a parent, once you have kids, everything's for your kid. It's not, you don't shop for yourself anymore. You shop for your children. In fact, I bought some, I bought a couple of bits at Next the other day and it's like the first time I've bought myself anything in such a long time. But the, the bits that I did buy are things that I've looked at and I've seen in Next a few times and I've been like, oh, I really like that. I really like that. And I went the other day and I tried it on and I bought it. And it was, you know, it was an expensive item. But I'm trying to buy items that I love. And because I love them, they are expensive. Rather than just something like, oh, yeah, I need another pair of tracksuit. I need another pair of tracksuit bottoms. I'm just going to go and grab whatever I can. Because chances are I'm not going to like them as much as had I spent a bit more time and had I spent a bit more money on it. And they're not going to be used as much. Maybe they're not going to last as long. They're not going to be as high quality. Or maybe they're just going to sit in my cupboard until I think, no, do you know what? I don't need those. The amount of things that I have in my cupboard that just either don't fit me well, they're, you know, not a very nice style on me. I don't like the quality of them. I don't like the way they feel. I've got these things just sitting in my cupboard that I've bought in the last five years. And I don't want to get rid of them because I feel so wasteful doing it. So if it doesn't suit you perfectly, really think about what you're buying. Being a bit more conscious about what we're purchasing can really help us to make sure that we're not buying things we don't need and then coming to feel guilty when we have to throw them away. So rethink Christmas is my next point. And I think that in the last couple of years, people have been really, really conscious about this and they've been really trying to bring Christmas back to what it actually means, which is to spend time with family, spend time with people, moving it away from the consumerism side. And I guess this has probably happened since the pandemic as well. And since this mass realisation that we are consuming too much. I think generationally as, a, as well, it's a 
you know, they always, what do they talk about? They talk about breaking generational cycles. And I think this is a generational cycle that we've really got into and we need to break because as a kid, I associate now, not as a kid, but now I associate Christmas with having a sack full of presents. And that isn't what makes Christmas Christmas. It's not what makes Christmas magical. It's not the presents. It's the, it's, all of it, you know, it might be the gifts and all of the lights that you put up, seeing your family, the food, the festivity. And, you know, again, I'm going to refer back to Francesca Amber. And she spoke about this book about Christmas and about how we need to start looking at Christmas as a whole season rather than just the single day as a whole season. So what you can do to make that season special and all of these things that you can do to bring the magic into Christmas. And if you plan what to do with your Christmas, it makes it so much more magical and it makes it feel like more than just a day. I know when I was a teenager, I used to get really upset in that period between Christmas and New Year because Christmas Day was over. And it was like, oh my God, like it was just a day. Why was there so much build up to just one day? It can be really magical and it can be a really great thing to make Christmas a month as opposed to a day or make Christmas a season as opposed to a day. You know, I think that generationally we've been we've been conditioned to to associate Christmas with excess and lots of presents and lots of stuff. And I don't want to pass that down to my kids. I don't want my kids to feel like they have, they've had a rubbish Christmas if they didn't get as many, as many presents or anything like that. I think rethinking Christmas in our approach and the way that we associate it with consumerism and we associate it with all of this stuff that we have at the moment, if we can change that, then that'll be good for our future generations. And I think it's our responsibility to change it. You know, the idea that um, we're leaving this land and we're leaving our all of our stuff, not just our, our material stuff, but we're leaving the, the traditions and the beliefs and nature, we're leaving it all for the next generations. That idea isn't new. That's an idea that the Aborigines and the um, Native Americans and all of our ancestors have really worked hard on making this planet what they gave us and what was left to us. And in the last 30 years, like not even a massive time, in the last 30 years, we've just ruined it. <laughs> we've just like absolutely screwed it up. And because it's only been 30 years, like it's not too late to do something about it. You know, we saw that with the pandemic. We saw that with how quickly the earth will rep repair itself if we give it a chance. So my final one is to buy secondhand. And this is something that Again, um, I'll touch on a bit more because I'm really, really excited about the how much secondhand clothing and Depop and charity shops and eBay and all of this is coming to a head and it's all it's all kind of coming up and blooming and blossoming around us and people aren't ashamed anymore to shop secondhand and it's actually something that people enjoy. I love I love going into a charity shop and finding a bargain. I have a coat that I've had for maybe coming up to ten years now. And it's a really cool coat. It's got um, very autumnal colours, yellow, reds, um, colour blocks on it. And it's lovely. And I bought it £3 at Age UK. Things that I want to buy, like if I want to buy something high quality from my kids, you know, the five kids, they've all got a pair of Crocs each. And I like to give them the branded Crocs because I know if I buy a pair of Crocs secondhand, I can easily wash them and... I know that they're going to be good quality and they're going to last. And if I buy a pair of Crocs for the eldest, hopefully it's going to last till my youngest. If I buy the real ones, I know that that quality is there. That, again, links with 
buying better quality things. I, I do buy better quality things and buying secondhand allows me to do that and it allows me to afford it because I'm not spending £30 for five children separately because that would be, I'm not good at maths, five times three, £150. I don't have £150 to spend on Crocs. I'm going to go on eBay and buy them for a tenner. You know, I had a bidding war with somebody recently on eBay and it was such a thrill to win it. Um, <laughs> so that's also a benefit of buying secondhand. So yeah, secondhand is a really, um, a really great way to tackle this and it's actually a really fun way to tackle it. Um, so next time you need something, have a think about looking secondhand. And I think that's pretty much it. So yeah, what, you know, while it's the big companies that are causing the most damage and are actually aware of the damage that they're causing, I think that as consumers, we're very complicit in it. You know, we're, we let, we're letting them do it. And the more we buy stuff, the more we're saying, yep, we're okay with what you're doing. Whereas if we can stop buying stuff, change the way we buy stuff, reduce our consumption, um, they're going to stop making it. So I think that's a really great place to start. I think that was a really, really good podcast. I had fun recording that one, which makes all the difference. Thank you for listening, if you've got this far. And yeah, let me know. Like, subscribe, comment, do all the things that you can do that bump my podcast up, because I'm going to keep sending these out each week and it will be really embarrassing if in a few months time I still have no listeners. So please be a friend, like, subscribe, comment and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye now. Bye.